0: Hello, hello, hello. Sammy here from the Gateway team. Just letting you know how much we all appreciate your love and support over the last few seasons of Gateway. And just letting you know that you can help us by heading to our newly established Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Gateway to Anime. Every little bit helps. And we really appreciate any love and support that you can find. You can also, of course, find us on all social media platforms if you search Gateway to Anime. And please go and check out our website at www.gatewaytoanime.com. If you have the time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, once again, such a massive help. Something feels like doesn't help, but helps us massively. So if you have the time, please do. Thanks again for your love and support. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are we all? What's going on, Charlie? As always, how are you going? Hello,
1: I'm going well. You know, just um, drinking some beers, watching some anime because I'm a cool girl. So I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> that's the worst. Lord, I'm fine.
0: Lord, Lord help us all. <laughs>
1: Lord, she's not like other girls, guys. No, sorry. <laughs> just joking around. I'm been fine. Just uh, watching a lot of anime.
0: Well, that's great. On brand, uh, Graham. Welcome back, as always. How are you, my man? What's happening?
2: Thanks for having me for the seven hundred and sixty eighth time. Pleasure. Still here. Still kicking. Bloody brilliant.
0: Lockdown, treating us all about the same. It's uh, it's past the cute phase now. Can tell you that for <laughs> free. It's not fun and novel anymore. It just fucking sucks. So that's that's fun for us, but at least we're all watching anime. I've been watching tons. Like it's it's weird. At this point, um, now but, you it's know. weird. So. That was
1: a weird. <laughs> you're on a podcast, podcast that's season a four weird. of the podcast. You're like, it's a bit weird how into anime I am. You know, like just weird, realized. guys. Or anime, <laughs> never.
0: No, it's weird the sheer volume, the sheer volume of which uh, I'm consuming. It's it's on the high end even for me. So well, let's I've gone the opposite way, as you know. I'm watching no anime. You have. You're a manga boy now, aren't you? Sounds weird when you say it like that. Manga boy. <laughs>
2: sounds like a really
1: bad superpower (laughs) it's like joy's reading manga
2: just a really slow anime season mixed with the encroaching sort of void that is COVID lockdown i don't know yeah turning to a good manga and chewing through one piece at the moment seems to be more enticing to me right now
1: what manga are you reading is it one piece or something else
2: yeah i started the because i did 700 chapters of naruto and then once you do 700 chapters of Naruto, 1,000 chapters of One Piece doesn't seem insurmountable. So 100 chapters in, I'll see you in 900 chapters. You're a tenth of the way in. It's
0: not bad. It's not bad. Anyway, away from One Piece and manga, we are here today to talk about the mecha genre of anime. Now, this is quite a topic. Now, we did the sci-fi episode a little while ago, and if you listened to that episode, I very clearly said, hey, most sci-fi associated with anime is Mecha, but we're not touching that today because the topic is just too large. And so here it is, as promised, the Mecha episode of Gateway to Anime. This is a big one. This is a big one. We've got three recommendations for you as always, but to begin with, I'm going to give a big old information drop, and there is quite a bit of information to get through, so I'll try and make this as fast as I can without losing the effect. So Mecha Anime.
1: What effect? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about make giant robots. It can't be that boring. If you make this boring, I'm going to be
0: like, how did so you even do that? So dull for Sam, though. Like,
2: <laughs> so dull. No, no ninjas. It's
0: going to be fucking fun. This is going to be fun, everyone. Don't worry. It's going to be a lot of fucking fun. Because Mecha is ridiculous <laughs> and silly and fun. Except for Neon Genesis. That's, that's the opposite of of that, But otherwise,
2: here Except we go. Except the intro, so, which is probably the most fun intro of all time.
0: Do, 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 do,
1: do, 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 that is a banger. Do, do, do. Oh, It's like my favourite song yeah. ever. Okay, that's
0: a banger. That's like the only thing that's fun about it. The rest of it's just soul-destroying and existential. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, the term mecha may refer to both scientific ideas and science fiction genres that centre around giant robots or machines, mechs, controlled by people. And this is one of the oldest genres in anime and often they are tied in with toy manufacturers who often sit on mecha anime production committees bandai being one of the big ones toy as well of course
2: we're not going down the committee row again are we big mecha (laughs)
0: that's the last time i mentioned a committee i can't promise that i can't promise that (laughs)
1: sad versus the committee
0: my, okay. Sam versus anime production communities. <laughs> anyway, mechas are typically depicted as humanoid mobile robots. The term was first used in Japanese after shortening the English loan word mechanizuma, which is English mechanism or "mekanikaru," which is mechanical. But the meaning in Japanese is more inclusive and robot or roboto or giant robot is the narrower term. The size of mechs can vary greatly across the genre but are distinguished from vehicles by their humanoid or biomorphic appearance and size. Generally, they're fucking huge. So like most anime and manga genres, different subgenres exist with varying connotations of realism within the mecha genre. There are two major distinct subgenres. That is the concept of the super robot. And the real robot. They're the main two. There's still many more in there, but they're the two major subgenres. I'll explain those in a second. But the term may also apply to real world piloted humanoid or non humanoid robotic platforms, either currently in existence or still in the development stage. Although, in the original Japanese context of the word, mecha may refer to mobile machinery, vehicles in general, manned or otherwise. Now, Super Robot generally focuses on ultra tech mecha that often have elements of mysticism and tend to use a monster of the week format. Mecha are almost superhero-like in this genre and sometimes involve neural link or some kind of, you must have a level of connection to it and a mystic kind of level, you know? Then there is the real robot genre. This is where the mecha are shown as tools rather than semi-mystical creations. And the focus is more on the pilots themselves rather than the machines. They tend to have a lot more crossover with sci-fi genre than super robot shows, which are more strictly mecha show, monster of the week things. And of course, such examples, Kogius, Mobile Suit Gundam 86, etc., etc. A lot of the times these genres get melded into one another and they kind of dip in and out. Neon Genesis, for example, is a mixture of mm. both, of course, but...
1: Yeah, because you have to be assimilate to the suit in, in Neon Genesis,
0: but they are still... They're still tools and they're still focused primarily on the pilots. So that is a perfect example of amalgamation of the two. But that is because Neon Genesis was actually subverting the genre itself right. by that point. This is more of the early days. I'm talking 70s, 60s. This is when those two genres are more stark. Now they kind of meld with each mm-hmm. other all the time. So the term Mecha is mostly associated with large humanoid machines with limbs or other biological characteristics. Mechas differ from robots in that they are piloted from a cockpit typically located in the chest or head of the mech predominantly. Mecha does not refer to form-fitting powered armor like Iron Man's suit. Mecha are usually significantly larger. So in most cases, mecha are depicted as fighting machines equipped with potent weaponry and display stylish combat techniques often akin to martial arts and swordsmanship. Often they are the primary means of combat with conflicts often being decided through gladiatorial style matches. Other works present mecha as a more integrated component of a military force supported by and fighting alongside tanks, aircraft, infantry, etc., but functioning as a sort of mechanical cavalry. Often conflicts will be decided by which side possesses the most technologically advanced mecha or the most talented pilot. Now, like Slice of Life, the mecha genre is often combined with other genres, like fantasy in The Vision of Eskenflown, political drama in 86 and Kogias, or existential drama in Neon Genesis. Often, it's not just pure mecha. In the old days, it used to kind of just be pure mecha monster of the week. Modern Mecca tend to meld genres like most anime genres do these days. They get paired with others and have many subsets. Now, let's talk about the early history of Mecca. And we're going to talk about, before it even got to Japan, we're talking about in literature in general. And once again, the man whom we mentioned many times in sci-fi, because he's in many ways the father of sci-fi, of course, Jules Verne. So in 1880, the Jules Verne novel, The Steam House, featured a steam-powered piloted mechanical elephant. That was one of the first instances of a mecca in any sort, being used in fiction. But even before that, 1868, Edward S. Ellis' novel, The Steam Man of the Prairies, featured a steam-powered back-piloted mechanical man. Now, one of the first, one of the more fully formed versions to appear in modern literature was The Tripod, or The Fighting Machine of the War of the Worlds, Mm. by H.G. Wells in 1897. The novel doesn't contain a fully detailed description of the tripod's mode of locomotion. However, it is hinted at, and the quote from the book, Can you imagine a milking stool, tilted and bowled violently along the ground. That was the impression those instant flashes gave. But instead of a milking stool, imagine it a great body of machinery on a tripod stand. And that's a quote from the book. So again, HG Wells, Jules Verne, pretty much the modern fathers of sci-fi. That's one of some of the first times of mechanical entities being used in fiction.
1: I'm just going to say something completely off topic, but have you seen the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds film?
0: I refuse to do such a thing to myself. It's
1: actually really good. No, it's it's a Spielberg. It book. is. Not bad. It's an amazing movie. Like we should watch it.
0: Really? Yeah. I just pretty much but, wrote Tom Cruise off in like 1999. Oh, Tom Cruise you know, is one of, okay. Done.
1: Tom Cruise is one of my favorite actors and I have a whole like we could we could debate about this for a while. He's amazing. But anyway. Okay. Sorry, I just added myself that boy as a sure Tom Cruise. But um it's funny that the description <laughs> you just gave, I think they kinda of nailed that in that film. And I was like, that is exactly what they presented.
0: Well, there you go. They're true to the book. They were. Go to them. Go Spielberg. Who'd have thought he could make a good film? Yeah, apparently. No, no, I'm <laughs> crazy.
1: I crazy. I think it is Spielberg. I hope it is. We'll look it up.
0: I believe it is, isn't it? Fact
1: check. Spielberg of
0: the world. No, look, Tom Cruise is really good at what he does. I just don't follow his career religiously because, you know, I, mean, I'm I, like I don't a either person. <laughs> I'm <not> uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not like, oh, a new Tom Cruise film's coming out. Like, better get in line. Mission Impossible's better, out. Oh better go God. see it. To be fair, I, but that being said, I've seen a lot of them. Maybe I subconsciously am a Tom Cruise fangirl. Like,
0: what? You, you probably are a big Tom Cruise fangirl. Look, he's actually really good in Rain Man. Edge of Tomorrow. Too. And Dustin Hoffman is carries that. Based but, off
1: know. a manga. So that's a good Tom Cruise Rain film. Man. No. <laughs> no edge of, <laughs> tomorrow. of tomorrow. <laughs> the Rain Man manga. <laughs> I would read this slice of life Rain Man manga. To be fair. Contrast never oh
0: crashed. Contrast never crashed. Oh
1: <laughs> I would I would read that.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's going to be Oda's follow-up to One Piece. It's going to be a, a Rain Man <laughs> so manga adaptation. Anyway, oh, continue. Shit.
1: Sorry for I talked about Tom Cruise. For no apparent reason.
0: <laughs> Mecca. So Ogun Bat is a Kimishibai, which is a form of Japanese street theatre and storytelling. that was popular in the 1930s and post-war period Japan until the advent of TV. Ogan Bat was one of these street performances and this is one of the earliest seen in japanese culture uh debuted 1931 and was later adapted into an anime in 1967 and it featured the first piloted humanoid giant robot the dai ningen tanku but as an enemy rather than a protagonist so that's one of the first times you see it pop-up in japanese culture at all as far as fiction and literary well it wasn't literary it was. A, it was told on the street but that's one of the first times that I could find where it was mentioned. 1931. Pretty early. Pretty early. So there is also, in 1934, the Gajo Sakamoto launched the manga Tank Tankero, which is considered one of the first robot and science fiction mangas. It inspired characters like Osamu Tezuka's Astro Boy and Fujiko Fuju's Doraemon. So the story focuses on Tank, who is a robot-like character with a round iron body who could transform into various shapes and produce anything he wanted from the hole in his belly. He fights his archenemy, Black helmet tank versus helmet i i, I watch it tank uh, versus helmet cool.
1: essentially i know who i'm going for <laughs> naturally know you're about to get there about i was about to be like when i think of mecca but i know you're about to say it so please continue on your research path because
0: oh i shall there is also the trope of the transforming mech which can morph between a vehicle and a Mecha robot this concept of transforming Mecha was pioneered by the japanese Mecha designer shoji kawamori in the early 80s, when he created the Diaclon toy line in 1980 and then the Macross franchise Diaclon. in 1982. I've skipped a whole section here, but don't worry, I will go back to it. In North America, the Macross franchise was adapted into the Robotech franchise in 1985 and then the Diaclon toy line was adapted into, of course, the Transformers franchise in 1986. Some of Kawamori's most iconic transforming mecha designs are the VF1 Valkyrie from the Macross and Robotech franchises and, of course, Optimus Prime, actually called Convoy in Japan, and that is from Transformers and Diaclone, respectively, obviously. Have you Sorry. seen the Shia LaBeouf
1: L- film, Transformers? Sorry. <laughs> uh, which one? <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> See, uh, Tom Cruise would yes. have really added to that,
0: I feel. Anyway. Well, it- <laughs> <laughs> better, better than Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> well, better than Mark Wahlberg. Ew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Recently, Jesus. God,
1: they're all, actually, Shia has cancelled. Like, ew, that's not even. Isn't Michael Bay also cancelled?
0: Who knows? I've lost track. Uh, anyway. I've lost track.
1: Sorry, Sam. Keep going.
0: <laughs> well, let's go back to what are some of the first mangas and animes that we come across. So we obviously had the, band, the street theatre show Ogun Bat. But in 1940, the short manga Electric Octopus featured a powered piloted mechanical octopus. In 1943, Yokoyama Ryuchi's propaganda manga The Science Warrior appears in New York. Featured a sword-building, steam-powered giant humanoid mecha who essentially laid waste to the Americans. So that's that's what that was about. Bit of propaganda for you in the uh, in, in the mid nineteen forties. Good times. But one of the first shows of mecha in Japanese fiction. But the first generally recognised mecha series was Mitsuteru Yokoyama's Tetsujin Twenty Eight Go, which was animated in nineteen sixty six and released abroad as Gigantor. He was inspired to become a mangaka by Osamu Tezuka, of course, of Astro Boy fame, and began serialising the manga in Shonen in 1956. The series focuses on a robot, which is made as a last-ditch effort to win World War II by the Japanese military, and was remote-controlled by the protagonist, Shotaro Kenda, a 12-year-old detective prodigy. And this show manga is considered to be the father of all mecha shows. So that's where it first really got its start,
1: 1956. So I actually... My friend had been running trivia through ISO, you know, like through our lockdown, and they had a question, Mm -hmm. which was what was the first English-dubbed anime to be released, and it was Gigantor, and I got it fucking wrong, and I hate that show now because I lost trivia because I got the anime. I got the weeb question wrong. But I'd never heard Shame. of it. Wow. But then I'm. Shame. What did you
2: What did you say? I said Timber um,
1: the Lion. Anyway,
2: I thought it would have been Astro Boy or something along no, those see, lines. No, see,
1: I thought there was a like multiple choice, and I thought Astro Boy was too obvious. I didn't even know what is it called Gigantor. I didn't even know what that was. So
0: it is called Gigantor, but the original is called Tetsujin Twenty Eight mm. Go. See if she said that, that I I'd known. never heard of it till I found it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'd never heard of it till I read it uh, on my oh, yeah. research journey here. So you know, you shouldn't be too ashamed because yeah, you're right. Picking Astro Boy is probably a good idea. But there you go. No, but
1: yes, there you go. The first English dub ever was that show. It was Gladiator. So that's a fun
0: fact for you. A bit more. Trivia for you all, everybody. Now- this is where it gets a little bit interesting. So in 1972, Go Nagai, who is one of Japan's preeminent mangakas and authors, of, especially in that time period, defined the super robot genre with Mazinger Z, which or Z, depending on what your pronunciation is, but Mazinger Z and or Z, which was directly inspired by Tetsujin 28 Go. And Nagai had the revolutionary idea to create a mecha that people could control like a car while waiting to cross a busy street. so where we he was struck by the idea. And this concept really resonated with audiences. And the series exploded in popularity. And the series was the genesis for many tropes that are now associated with the genre, such as the idea of the robot being a dynamic entity that could join with other machines or humans to become unstoppable, a la Power Rangers. We'll talk about that in a second. Anime critic Fred Patton wrote that almost all mecha plots, such as Monster of the Week shows, were actually metaphors for Japan refighting World War II and defending Japan and its culture from Western encroachment—that's uh, an interesting thing to think about, and it makes a lot of sense. But before I jump to the next point, interestingly, we need to talk about Power Rangers because, yeah, we do. It was actually a show called Super Sentai. That was the first two series of Super Sentai, it was created by Shotaro Ishinomori, was known for his 1971-73 Carmen Rider TV series, which was a sci-fi superhero show, which was live action, and the long-running manga Cyborg 009. He developed Himitsu Sentai Goringer, which ran from 75 to 77, and the JAKQ Kitai in 1977. Then the Toei Company put the franchise on hiatus in 1978, Collaborating with Marvel Comics to produce a live-action Spider-Man series, which added giant robots to the concept of tokusatsu shows. Tokusatsu shows is the Japanese term for live-action film or TV drama that makes heavy use of special effects. The giant robot concept was carried over to Toei and Marvel's next show, Battle Fever J, released in 1979, and was then used throughout the Super Sentai series. And of course, in 1993 the American production company Saban Entertainment adapted Kiro Sentai Ziranger into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for Fox Kids, combining the original Japanese action footage with new footage featuring American actors for the story sequences. So, yeah, Power Rangers has been around since the 70s. Mm. But in yeah, Japan, man. crazy, yeah. man. And, of course, big Mecca stuff. They all joined together. It's a whole thing. But of course, just jumping back on the tokusatsu thing. So tokusatsu often deals with science fiction, fantasy or horror, but films in other genres can count as tokusatsu as well. As we're learning through this podcast, all genres can be melded with others. Now, the most popular types of tokusatsu include kaiju monster films, such as Godzilla and the Gamera film series, and superhero TV serials like Kamen Rider, I mentioned before, and the Metal Hero series. And of course, mecha dramas like Giant Robot and Super Robot Red Baron. Some Tokusatsu TV shows combine several of these subgenres like the Ultraman and aforementioned Super Sentai series. Kaiju, most people should know what kaiju is. A TLDR, giant monsters. Godzilla. Kaiju. I was gonna of say course, Mecha, another response.
1: Mecha Godzilla is a thing that sprung to my head when I thought of the first like big mecha mm. monster mecha godzilla versus godzilla is yeah that's a great example of that
0: 100 mm-hmm. percent. but again all all reflections of japan especially when they're coming out in the 50s 60s 70s when this genre really started to explode of course all responses to what happened to them in world war ii but the kaiju idea of the atomic attack where some great monster coming from the ocean to destroy them and of course you know all the mutant idea of the radiation which it could have done to it and then of course the mecha genre which is a sort of revisionist history of what happened if japan found a technology of their own which enabled them to win the war yeah it's really interesting stuff but after going to guys messenger Z, there became a massive explosion of imitators in the genre like brave raiden and dragon guard ace the explosion of the genre also led to mass sales of toys and merchandise However, this led to the super robot genre becoming highly commercialized and stagnant, creating an opening for innovation, which was seized upon by Yoshiyuki Tomino in 1979 with the creation of the Mobile Suit Gundam series in 1979, a complex space saga that was known as the Star Wars of Japan and birthed the real robot subgenre of Mecha, which featured more realistic stories and grittier technologies employed by the characters. And that's where I'll hand off to Graham... And say, mate, tell us about Mobile Suit Gundam, which was a game changer in the mecha game.
2: I don't think I have to. I think you've covered pretty much everything I spent the day writing notes about. You <laughs> <laughs> need <only> goddamn notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was pretty good. Yes. Yeah, so obviously, I've been watching Mobile Suit Gundam, which Samra's right, who is pretty much the Star Wars of Japan of mecha. Beyond, I would say. It was created in April 1979 by uh, Yoshiyuko Tomi, which you just mentioned. And also the main designer was a fellow named Kiyakuni Okawa. This is not my native tongue, as you may have gathered. Um, (laughs) Isn't it? I
0: thought you were fluent in Japanese.
2: Man, there's something about... (laughs) There's something with my mutant accent of Scottish, North American, and Australian that when I try to say anything in Japanese, can't do it can't do it Um, (laughs) yeah so the series in Japan was called Kido Senshi Gundamu trying to research what Gundam actually means is an episode in itself. Everyone's got their own sort of origin of the name. Everyone's got their own sort of connotations of what it means. Some people just say it's because the giant mecha in the show uses a thing called Gundanium alloy, which is why they're called Gundams. What I could officially find out is Gundam stands for Unsubdued Nuclear Drive Assault Module, which is ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And then the Japanese (laughs) sort of... (laughs) explanation of what it means is you take the first word gun and the symbol, the the kanji symbol for that means freedom. And then when Tommen was asked what this meant, he sort of stated that Gundams use like weaponry that are strong enough to hold back a tide of an enemy. Hence gun, freedom, freedom, machine pretty much. But there was a hundred things that contradicted that and there was a hundred different of a meaning. So if you know what Gundam means then Hold on to it, because I don't know. I, I can't figure it out.
0: <laughs> At us. Hit us up on our social media if you know what Gundam actually means.
2: <laughs> Please, because there's a hundred different meanings. And I spend most of my day just going, Gundam, question mark, into many search engines. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, the, the anime was created in 1979. I'll give you a little plot summary. And actually, every episode of the Mobile Suit Gundam starts off with a very long recap of... The, the sort of layered in world that they've built, which I think was probably what kind of separated it from other mecha shows at the time where you were saying everything was kind of more more fanciful, the super robots, the big flashy sort of things they are out fighting the villain of the week. Gundam seemed to be a bit more political-based. There's factions and there's feuds and power struggles between different nations. But anyway, the summary goes, it is the year 0079 of the Universal Century. Well, everything in Gundam is called UC, Universal Century. But I'll get back to that later. A war has broken out between the principality of Zion, a space colony that wants independence, and the Earth Federation. A teenage boy has to pilot the Federation's new secret weapon, when the space colony in which he lives in is attacked by Zion mobile suits. Gigantic robots piloted by humans. The new secret weapon is called Gundam, a far more powerful mobile suit. The story follows Amaro Ray and many other civilians around his age who have taken over a Federation ship and have become soldiers in order to survive the war against Zion's forces. That's pretty much the synopsis. It's a very old anime coming from 1979, but it's so charming. It's so bright. And even though it is about a war, it's so positive. It's hard to describe. It's one of the first ones to ever sort of bring up this sort of war into an anime at the time. But when they try to, Interesting. but with their, their attitude, like the main pilots, he's like, "Oh, this what it this is what it must mean to be to be at war with someone." And the entire time, he's just sitting in the canteen talking to his robot friend. I'm like, "That's that doesn't sound like war," but it's 1979. <laughs> it's very it's very strange because they've all got like. It's all 70s fashion as well. It's blended into this sort of futuristic sort of setting. So they've all got big perms and sideburns and stuff and big collars and bell bottoms. It's like (laughs) in the future. I'm into that. I'm into that. "Mm." (laughs) Yeah. The aesthetic is really cool. Yeah. So as you mentioned before with the super robots, this was obviously one of, if not the first, that sort of pioneered that real robot genre. And when asked about it, Oh, Kawara, his original sort of inspiration for the show was like what would it be like for these giant super robots if they were actually used for military warfare hence why gundam sort of they strip away all that sort of humanoid looking sort of mecha, and it becomes a much more functional war machine that are piloted by soldiers yeah so the the anime ran for well it was pro- planned for 50 episodes but was cancelled during its original run Due to like poor viewership, one of the producers at the time was uh, Clover Toys. They'd made a bunch of little figurines and little, you know, kind of Star Wars-esque toys, which never really caught on. So the show was actually cut from 50 episodes to 40 while it's still in production. When it was dropped, it was then quickly picked up by Bandai, who before the show ended, actually produced one of the first sort of mecha kit builds. You know, those the boxes you get and it's got all the little bits you snap off and oh. together and stuff that I was friends actually who still
1: make gundam figurines like it's here in
2: isolation i am thinking about just buying a shitload of gundam things and gluing myself to my table yeah um, <laughs> whilst reading one piece while we're in one piece great read so yeah they were the guys that kind of pioneered that sort of thing and those mecha kits became so popular that it sort of shifted attention back to the the animated series and allowed Sunrise, who were the actual original producers, to leverage that popularity of the model kits to actually go back and make a sequel to the original Mobile Suit Gundam 00, which leads them to make Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, which is a direct sequel to the original one. Same sort of cast returns, but just bigger production values, heightened action better animation and like doing my sort of research for this this is the one that explodes this is one that takes it to that next sort of level in pop culture and it's still referred to as the if you look at any sort of list mobile suit zeta gundam is the one that top sales list that's the most popular one
0: right because i always i always see gundam uh
2: wing popping up everywhere as well
1: yeah that's the one I've, i've watched
2: Well, Zeta comes out in 1980. That's probably why it's before most of us were all born. But yeah, that's the one that obviously like explores in Japan. That's the one that shifts the focus from the super robots to the real robot genre. And that leads from there. Gundam itself has since 1979 has produced over 30 TV series in that time.
0: Far out. Is it 30? Fuck.
2: 30 series. And then there's like 20-something movies as well. Jesus. Yeah, it births an entire industry. It inspires, it, you know, those model kits, like you were saying, they're still as popular today as they were 50 years ago. People still buy them. Yeah, and then it leads on to, well, I, I was a huge fan of Gundam Wing growing up. I think that hits for like our generation is probably the the one we all know. I still have no idea what the fuck the show is about. Is
1: that the one where that guy rejects (laughs) that girl really intensely? Have you seen that clip that goes around? That is, if you guys are bored,
2: look up Gundam Wing rejection. She invites him to, I think it's like her sweet 16th birthday party or something. (laughs) He just turns around and he's like, no, I don't want to go to your stupid party and I'm also here to kill you. And she's like, oh, okay. It's
1: (laughs) It's like the most, there was like a meme for ages and it was just saying like, if you ever want, If anyone ever asks what anime is, just send them this clip. Like It's like so extreme. It's so good. Uh,
2: Yeah, Gundam Wing is the one I watched when I was coming of age. But for the life of me, I could not tell you what the show was about. It appears to me that all Gundam shows kind of follow the same sort of narrative. They have same sort of character archetypes. There's always colonies that are trying to break away. There's always a rebellion and an evil sort of, they call them the Red Comet. In this one, his name's Cha. There always seems to be that version of the character for all these series. He's, you know, he has long hair. He's got like the slightly like silver mask and like a shiny helmet and stuff like that. He's he's in every every series. I feel like they've just they're recycling thirty years of the same show. <laughs> but anyway, more research. Must be done. probably, I think it is because I watched the, I watched that and then I watched Unicorn and they address. What happened in Mobile Suit Gundam, but they've got the same names of the characters and stuff it's very weird. it's very strange. this what I said earlier on about the Universal century these these numbers tick up. so I feel like they're taking a 100 year leap and then they're kind of just you know like Battlestar Galactica. this has all happened before it all happened again. That sort of yeah, narrative okay. seems to perpetrate throughout the series. Series Z's series Z. But yeah, that's 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 Gundam. I think it's
1: really cool that they have it. Similar, it reminds me of like Final Fantasy, where they always have like Sid or something. You know, it's always like some character
0: that's a thread through all of them. Always a Cid with a C. Did it hold up, Graham? Like you, when you watched Mobile Suit Gundam, did it did it hold up, or was it just so janky it was almost unwatchable? Like how how did it hold up
2: now? I'll tell you what. Really, the animation is is it's good in some parts and terrible. That might just be down to like the actual. You know the age of the and then obviously the Japanese production. Because some of it looks great, some of it is just literally looks like a cardboard cutout that someone's dragging across the screen. Like a, a suit that doesn't <laughs> move. And it just sort of. <laughs> um But the the actual sound production that that slaps. That's and it's these classic sounds that have sort of come across all these sort of series, like the the metal hitting metal, the sound of the the actual. Like guns and whatever you want to call them, they use like these sounds that just carried on because they're so good. What really doesn't hold up is the voice acting to a point where I actually had to flip it to dubbed or uh, subbed because it was some of it was just bad. Oh wow! Like, yeah, Amaro's sister—I forget her name. She sounds like she's recording her dialogue from like a bathroom like, or like a, <laughs> a like a cubicle in a McDonald's or something. Like it's <laughs> so echoey. It's really bad. It's a piece of history. I think it does hold up in that sense. And totally. it is a time a time capsule of like an aesthetic, like similar to Legend of the Galactic Heroes. It has that very late 80s, 90s. Mm. You are getting big hair, bell bottoms, sideburns on all the men. I, I would say watch it. If you're interested in Mecha and you you, you kinda want to have a, like a little history lesson, I would say watch mobile suit. And then jump a cool. hundred years into the future and watch like Unicorn or Wing or Seed or there's there's a Gundam for everyone. Blood that orphans. we can be sure.
1: There's one called Blood Orphans.
2: Blood Orphans. There's there's so many. Or we'll just watch Gundam Wing and just try to figure out what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, watch <laughs> it for that clip. Her to get. Just that, to that get one rejected.
2: clip. <laughs> it's good. Um, and fact, watch. Watch Gundam Endless Waltz. That movie That movie is awesome. Well,
0: that's a nice piece of history. I think you're right. I think from what I can understand, I've never actually watched any Gundam. I believe it's an important piece. You've never watched any canon. Gundam?
1: You know? Any Gundam. Somehow any Gundam? Sam's no, too no. busy backing Naruto over everything. So he was watching like... literally
2: everything else. But I've missed, <laughs> missed the Gundam. You're not done with big giant robots slapping each other? in space
0: I, i'm in for robots you know uh, the one the show that i'll talk about Are you, you i mean in, i'm into that <laughs> but i missed mobile suit gundam don't know how, i mean i was too young for the early stuff and you know i just missed ever since then i sort of lost its chain unless you're a mobile suit gundam guy or girl or whoever a person then yeah. nowadays you know a new one comes out no one gives a fuck you know what i mean in the anime community apart from those who really know
2: or care you know and i just missed that train I feel like the last one that came out that people cared about was probably Darling in the Franks, and that is an awful show. Oh,
0: yeah, that's a yes. bad show. I watched that that's one too. That's a bad too. show. I'll
2: talk about the
0: studio who made that a
2: bit later. But,
0: yes, speaking of more modern mecca, and this is still over a decade old, Charlotte, why don't you talk to us about one of our favourite and I believe potentially your favourite anime of all time, no. Take it away, Charlotte.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Sam. It's not Fruits Basket Mecha Edition. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it's Fruits Basket. I'd with watch mecha that. Animals. I'd watch that. Every time you hug them, they turn to giant Mecca cats. Actually, that sounds sick. That sounds sick. You need to go
0: pitch that. You to go pitch, pitch that in Japan that. right now because it will get made.
1: I have to out myself here. Mecca is not one of my favorite genres. Just in general, I've never really gravitated towards it, which seems stupid because who doesn't like the idea of giant robots battling each other? But it's one of those things like the time that I didn't realise that Trigon was a space western. A bunch of my favourite animes turned out to be mecha animes. Crazy, like Neon Genesis Evangelion, very obviously. And who needs labels? Course- away- uh, you that's must what have what known on that. From this. I'm just like... <laughs> Hey, I'm not into mecca that I'm just like list of like 10 out of 10s on my anime, It's just all mecha animes. I don't know. I think in my <laughs> head I just had it is anyway, forget that. But this show, I genuinely, I don't know if I would classify it as, as Sam said, they tend to, a lot of animes do mash genres a lot. So I think that this one is much more of a political drama than it is a mecca, but definitely. it's definitely a mecca. There's a lot of giant robots. Like there's a, literally giant robots that people have to pilot. So by definition, <laughs> It's a fucking mecca and I I need to cope with that. (laughs) Anyway, the show is called Code Geass. And, yes, it is one of my favourite shows. I love it. Let me take you on a journey back to 2006. What a time. Uh, I just finished Death Note, and I thought that was the peak of all art. Not even just anime. I was just like, this is the best show I've ever seen. This cat and mouse, everything about Death Note, which is a cat and mouse, like genius versus whatever. I just thought that was the height. Little did I know that that season I would be watching a show called Code Geass, and this is quite funny. Anime... Fans love to laud that Code Geass is better than Death Note over each other. For some reason, it always gets compared.
0: It does. And I'll tell you why in a second. Similar psychological vibes, you know. Well, it's it's to do with
1: that protagonist slash anti. It's to do with, like, having a technically, like, a morally ambiguous kind of like mastermind protagonists that's why Death Note and Code Geass are constantly compared and recommended and also cat and mouse style getting away with things like political drama I mean Code Geass is political Death Note not really I mean it is but whatever Anyway, I find it funny whenever we recommended Death Note on our Instagram shout out check out gateway to anime on Instagram it's a good page um whenever we recommend like we recommended Death Note and I saw like five comments just like what about Code Geass, like better ending, Code Geass? And I was just like, why is this always pitted against each other? It's like, you can't be a fan of both. You have to either back Code Geass or Death Note and they're vastly different shows. Anyway, I'll tell you about Code Geass while I'm ranting about that. But Code Geass, let me give you the synopsis. In the year 2010, yep, I know, that's already happened.
0: A couple of um, things, a couple of inaccuracies, but that's yeah, okay.
1: But here we are. The Holy Empire of Britannia is establishing itself as the dominant military nation, starting with the conquest of Japan, Renamed as Area 11, after its swift defeat, Japan has seen significant resistance against these tyrants in an attempt to regain independence. Lelouch Lamperouge, a Britannian student, unfortunately finds himself caught in a crossfire between the Britannian and the Area 11 rebel armed forces. He is able to escape, however, thanks to the timely appearance of a mysterious girl named Cece, who bestows upon him the Gias, the power of kings. Realising the vast potential of his newfound power of absolute obedience... Lucian barks on a perilous journey as the mass vigilante known as Zero leading a merciless onslaught against Britannia in order to get revenge once and for all. So the Gias that he receives means that he has a power that he can literally look you in the eye and say, I want you to do that. Or he can just order you to do something and then you are brainwashed and you do whatever he ordered you to do. So that's a pretty OP power to get as a protagonist. So once he realizes he's got that There's also a lot about Lelouch. I can't really tell you that much without spoiling a bunch of things, but he wants to overthrow the Britannian Empire, which he is actually himself a part of, but he's got his own reasons for not believing in it because he wants to avenge his sister, his mother, and he just doesn't believe that the way that the Britannian Empire runs the world is correct. He knows they're evil. He hates his father. That was a spoiler. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's revealed very quickly. It's pretty Um, obvious. Yeah, but basically... This show is, as Sam was saying, it, it's a mecca and it fits in with the, you know, it couldn't be any more obviously a revisionist history about World War II if it tried. Like Britannia oh, yeah. versus, they don't even, they're just like, and the Japanese. Like it's like it's fully just out in the open. Britannia is, yeah, it, it's it's a very obvious allegory. Similar, I recommended a show called 86 that I watched last season, which is like the same thing, but somehow Ko is even more intensely just like it's all laid out on the table for you the thing out this show the mecca influences that that's how britannian armies take all their forces they've got a lot of meccas and big machines and things like that so that's how it is mecca so all of the combat is done through mechs including people piloting the meccas but the thing is that it's more about Lelouch trying to lead a double life as a Britannian student and as a vigilante leader zero and it's about how he uses his gias which does have limitations so it's not like he can just talk to a whole group of people and get them to do everything he wants forever there's limitations to the gias the power he's not Kilgrave yeah no he's not Kilgrave no so he has to do a lot of things and he's only a high school student so you know he's having a Tough time there, but um, he's a genius, so it's fine. Basically, if you want kind of political uh, one up and ship like a chess game, like that kind of watching someone just completely mastermind everyone, then you're gonna love this show. And this show is so good because it is so extra and it is so anime. The fact that it's oh, Mecca, so extra, and the, the design of it, um, actually, interestingly enough, it's an animal anime original, it's not based on any source material by a studio called Sunrise, who have done a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff, but. The character design is actually by a group of mangaka artists called Clamp, who are all female manga group. And they designed Cardcaptor Sakura, like Double X Holic, like a bunch of shows like that. And they've got a very distinctive style. So they did all the character designs for Kogia. So it looks very, I'd say, 80s, 90s anime style. Like it's like spot the protagonist vibes. Like they're all like huge eyes, big hair, like very long legs, like insane costumes. It's very dramatic. And I love that it leans into that. That's one of my favorite things about the show because. It's so anime that it's it's beautiful. Like they're not even trying to get anything else. It's like Lelouch is so extra. He's got his long limbs and his crazy mask and his jacket, and he's always like, "I, Lelouch of Britannia," like kind of commands you. Like he's so <laughs> epic. But the thing is, the show pulls it off because it is really clever. And boy, does it stick the landing. If um, we're talking about having a good ending to. A show that really took over the anime world. Like it was, it's one of the most popular shows of all time, and it's worth watching because the ending is so good. The ending is so good, and they announced they were going to do a season three recently, and everyone was kind of like, "No, like why?" Don't. It ended perfectly, like, and so we'll guess we'll see what they can do. I guess there's a lot of room to play with that stuff with the geasses and the science fiction fantasy elements that go into it. Like there is magic involved and things like that but I um I reckon I'm watching it's not a traditional mecca though like it's not kind of like Gundam or any of those but if you like big robots punching each other it it has that if you like teenagers being evil geniuses but also heroes but are they question mark like moral gray area like chess pieces if you want to like get some clout in the anime community and say it's better than Death Note then I say watch Code Geass and then you'll be one of
0: us (laughs) <laughs> yeah but there's a and lot and also watching um, chase a cat around for a whole episode that's a that's an interesting thing that is yes. um, there's
1: something about Code Gass, is it like there is a lot to be said about the revisionist history and the fact that it is Mecca and everything you said about that in terms of like yeah it's pretty heavy-handed and it is very interesting so I think it's worth a watch for sure I would recommend it any day of the week and it definitely had an impact on me when I was 15 or something I don't know how old I was then younger than that who knows but I've been re-watching it recently and I was re-watching it even without knowing I was going to bring it into the Mecca episode because, as I said, I forgot it was Mecca because I'm an idiot. So (laughs) I was stoked to be able to bring it into the Mecca episode because I was watching it anyway. But um, this rewatch has been really good and I appreciate a lot of things about it. It's dated slightly, but I kind of think that it's so extra and so anime that it maybe is actually kind of timeless in that way if you're willing to give that a go, if you're willing to kind of lean into the drama of it, the stylistic aspects, then you're going to have a really good time. But if you're after something that's, like, you know, realistic and gritty, it is pretty gritty. It's pretty dark. This is a dark show. It's not for kids. I say that, like, you know, so they look extra, but they, um, it's definitely not for kids. Uh, there's a lot of violence, a lot of things, pretty heavy. Not a good time in Britannia is all I'll say Currently.
0: Oh, yeah. Will Zero and very much them. And very much falls under the real robot subgenre. Yes, yes. yes absolutely. All right, that's no, One Code of my favourites as well. And you're right, quite possibly the best ending in all anime, nay, all fiction. One of the best endings of all time. Also,
1: if you're a dub person, it's one of the best dubs of all time. It's a really good dub. Yeah. So English dub's great. If you're ever wanting to watch something that's not going to make you cringe,
0: then watch that. Absolutely. Yes, Code Gears, it's a big tick for me as well. It's one of my all-time favourites absolutely brilliant perhaps slightly dated but again like death note is also kind of dated because of it's because they're products of their time there's something interesting about it anyway you know like again even legend of the galactic heroes which by the way since i have finished the sci-fi episode fast becoming potentially my favorite show anime of all time so here's how long shocked go, i am but i'm fucking loving it <laughs> uh, legend of the galactic heroes cannot stress how good it is watch it if you haven't check it out anyway i let's can't wait talk. for you to
1: comment under a burner account on all of our recommendations, but not as good as Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Like, you're like, I'll be like, Code yes. like, not as Damn good it. as Legend Damn. of the Galactic Heroes. I'm like, I don't care. They're all good. <laughs> anyway.
0: I will do that. Not I as will good as Fruits Basket. That. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to talk about a little show from 2007 called, and its full name is Tengen Topper Gurren Lagann. And it's known as such in Japan and it's, Basically translates to heaven-piercing Gurenlagen. And this is a series animated by studio Gainax and co-produced by Aniplex and Konami, Aniplex. the gaming company. So it ran for 27 episodes on TV Tokyo between April and September in 2007. It was directed by Hiroyuki Imashi and written by veteran playwright kazuki nakashima and there was a manga adaptation published by assc2 media works between 2007 and 13 four light novels were published between 2007 and 2008 a nintendo ds game was released in 2007 bundled with a special episode of the anime series and there were two films produced and the first premiered in japan in september 2008 and the second in 2009 this show is a massive hit it was a, like a kind of much more mecha focused than S and you know, very similar timeframes. But this kind of reignited the mecha genre in modern anime terms. And still, you know, still 2007. It's it's old, oh, relatively old. But this was a big explosive hit. And Gainax, of course, were the studio who produced Neon Genesis and many such Space Force, many many different mecha shows. They're very very famous for mecha shows. And this was them coming back, getting the band back together, and making a huge mecha show. So. What is Gurren about? The show takes place in a future where Earth is ruled by the spiral king, Lord Genome, who forces mankind to live in isolated subterranean villages. These villages are completely isolated and have no contact with the surface or are even aware of the existence of any other villages or traces of life at all. They are constantly under the threat of monstrous earthquakes, which continuously claim the lives of villages. The story follows Simon, who is a meek and timid young man who was orphaned after his parents were killed in one of the many earthquakes which strike the village. Simon is a loner and is generally looked down upon by the other inhabitants of Giha village. He finds solace in his best friend and older brother figure, the eccentric delinquent Kamina. Kamina, who is the polar opposite of Simon in that he's so confident and gregarious that it almost defies belief, encourages Simon to join his gang, Team Gurin. To help him achieve his dream of reaching the surface where his father ostensibly left to many years prior but of course the village chief doesn't believe many people don't believe the surface even exists etc cetera, etc cetera. but he's like you know the surface must exist and they're like shut up you dumb idiot you know it's trophy is all fuck, but deliberately so one of the major jobs of the village is to drill so you have little hand drills which move very very quickly and their job is to expand the boundaries of the village and also dig up treasure simon is exceptionally good at it so on one of his drilling runs Simon unearths a drill-shaped key called a core drill, followed by a small mecha resembling a face called a gunman. Shortly after this huge discovery, a massive gunman crashes through the ceiling and starts laying waste to the village. Followed by a girl named Yoko, who attempts to thwart the gunman with her futuristic-style sniper rifle, Simon uses his core drill to activate the small gunman mecha, which Kamina names Lagan, and its drilling-based ability. The three of them manage to destroy the large gunmen and in the process break through to the surface where a whole new world is waiting for them. Simon and Kamina learn that humans on the surface are attacked each day by these gunmen who are piloted by things called beastmen, humanoid creatures who serve as Lord Genome's army. Using their newly acquired mecha, Simon and Kamina join the fight to free humanity from Lord Genome's tyranny. That is Gurren Lagann. And Gurren Lagann, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun it's super gregarious it's super like tongue is planted firmly in cheek it is hyper aware of itself it's kind of like it's 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 a walking cliche but deliberately so it's a ton of fun i really enjoy it it's like the character designs are super over the top and crazy and in fact interestingly after the success of gurun lagen hiroyuki the creator went on to create studio trigger Mm. with gurun visual humor and style defining the studio's work and Trigger was seen as one of the spiritual successor to Gainax, which, of course, were the famous along, alongside Nippon Sunrise. Probably Gainax are uh, the most famous mecha anime house outside of Sunrise. So Trigger. I
1: thought it's funny because when you said it was Gainax, I was so confused. I was like, it's Studio Trigger. Even I knew that, but that makes sense. It was like it was Gainax and they, just, yeah, that's really cool though because, I mean, I've, I've watched Killer Kill as well, which
0: is Studio Trigger. Yes. Yes, is, that was his next work. That was the first work that Studio Trigger did. So is um, Guren Lagen. Like the way that Yoko is 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 depicted is like she's wearing like next to nothing and it's again yeah, it's, that thing. Every time it fucking pulls me out, man, the amount of times it's like Simon falls face first into her tits and like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, God, come on, stop. No need for this. Is it bad but that it happens- now
1: that I know that it's Ganex though that I kind of have an understanding of where they were coming from because of their kind of like deconstruction of otaku culture and that kind of thing? Or is that me really pulling at a uh, grasping being at straws? Generous.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like Kamina. He's cool. Like
0: <laughs> Kamina's dope. Kamina's obviously the, the best character in the show. He's awesome. Simon's Simon becomes cool. Spoiler. But he sucks at the start. But also, interestingly, the mecha designer for Gurren Lagann, Shigeto Koyama, worked on the concept design for the Disney film Big Hero 6. That's it's a also sad movie. Baymax, dude. I am not fast. Such a good movie. I love that fucking film. I know. It's so sad, though. <laughs> it is very, very sad. <laughs> it really, really gets you there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I've just quickly studio you a trigger. So Kill the Kill, yes. Space Patrol Laluco, Little Witch Academia. As you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Darling in the Franks, which again, Tried to, back back Mecca, tried to bring back the mecha, tried to bring back the mecha genre uh, real hard and started off really, really well. Oh, Ooh, the hype. Did that the fall hype. away. Holy shit. One of the most I've famous seen, own goals in anime. <laughs> I've never seen so many people
1: more upset at an anime than that. That was, yeah, people were devastated by Darling and the Franks.
0: Oh, man. To start <laughs> with such promise and then to turn to such shit. Oh, god. But my also, Lord.
1: wasn't much promise, like, you know, like, it's like, pilot these mechs are holding his girls' asses. I was like, really? Like, everyone's like, Terrible. the show was a genius. <laughs> I was like, was it though? Like, was it really?
0: <laughs> Look, it was It was plagued with problems from the start. Let's be real. <laughs> but <laughs> people really liked it to begin with. They also did Triple S Gridman, BNA, and also just in the last season of anime, actually Triple uh, S, I can never pronounce this. Gridman? Dinazenon. I actually watched a couple of episodes of that. wasn't very good. They also you did Premiere
2: as well. You've actually moved away from the the real robot thing into the super robots again. Like the Darling in the Franks is a very humanoid looking robot with big eyes and stuff. And then the Dynamax one is just a big shiny, almost Megazord type thing that pulls together. Well, Zoids, of course, another big crossover with the mecha thing from Japan to the West.
0: Yeah, I I mean, Dynas and on great design, really cool design. I watched a few episodes of that last season, but yeah, just boring. I find generally straight mecha shows, I find really boring. I like it when they meld genres like Neon Genesis, like Code Geass. And look, I must admit, Gurren Lagann is pretty simple in respect to like, it's just a straight up tropey as fuck anime about Mecha, but it knows what it is. And it doesn't pretend to be something that it's not. It totally just like digs its heels in. It's like, yo, we're a show about robots. Fighting other robots, and you know what? It's fucking cool, and I'm like, yeah, it is pretty fucking cool. Like, it's a lot of fun. It's sometimes it hits you in the feels. There are some deaths, uh, which really hit hard, actually, in that show, and that's really, really cool. And again, it's sort of a mix between the super and the real robot, like the robots don't have souls or or they're not mystic. It's like the pilots are the key and the robots are much more like tools. But there's sort of some slight elements of super robot as well. But mostly it's a, a real robot subgenre, I would say. But yeah, it's really cool. It's a really a lot of fun. Just a ton of fun. It's like it scales real fast. So that opening that like the synopsis I gave you, that's basically the first like 10 minutes of the whole show it kicks straight into gear it is just like bam 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 bam. oh by the way now it's like on a cosmic scale it is crazy how big it is and how ludicrous the scale gets but that's part of the fun so like i say it's not going to hit you and change your life in the way that neon genesis might or or make you really think like Kogias might it's not necessarily as important like something along the lines of mobile suit gundam but it's a fucking good example of how fun and cool mecha genre shows can be. And it's a celebration. It's very yeah. much a celebration. And, you know, spawned a whole fucking... Studio. Spawned an entire studio because and of just, it. And like, just, you know,
1: like, yeah, the thing is, uh, as much as I'm like, mecha bores me. It obviously doesn't. Giant robots fighting giant robots is cool. That's true. Um, we love it. Transform- like I feel like in the West it has... Trans- it's like people love Transformers. People like Pacific Rim,
2: which is a direct, like... We need to talk about Pacific Rim, but carry on. We do you have to talk about We're that. Should we talk
1: about Pacific Rim?
2: <laughs> so I've had this conversation with Sam before because I know he's never seen it, but I think Pacific Rim is an anime or an anime movie just done to a Western audience.
1: 100%. Guillermo
2: del Toro, obviously the director, Oscar winner, blah, 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 blah. But I, I love that movie. I know a lot of people don't, but maybe that's my mecca fan coming out.
0: What's well, Mecha and Kaiju, right?
2: Yeah, you're blending the both, but the Mecha is, you know, two pilots that share, they have to have two pilots to pilot these giant mechs, and they go into something called the Drift, which is sort of sharing of consciousnesses and memories and stuff to basically Super fight giant, ro- giant monsters that come out of a portal in the ocean.
1: Yeah, and, and they're coming it's from it's the a... ocean, not it's not yeah. space. That's a, yeah, that's a they, new
2: one. Yeah, it's dope. You've got all the stereotypes that you would find in an anime, there's, you know, the tough guys, the wimpy guys, the science guys, you know. The, the Australian twins. <laughs> the Australian, yeah. Like Striker Eureka. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's great. And if you're a fan of Mecca and all that sort of stuff, like I think Pacific Rim is one of those little lightning in a bottle type shows that brings all the anime elements into a Western movie. A
1: hundred percent. one of the
2: best directors in the last 50 years. Like it's, it's phenomenal.
1: I... Didn't love it. I don't love Mecca. That's why I remember watching it being like, this is stupid. But I also was just kind of like, I love it. And I think that the anime fan and me really did. I, I mean, but also I was a bit of a wanker. Still am, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I remember being like, um, this is just a ripoff of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen the original <laughs> source material, but I was very like that. But now I'm thinking back on it, you're right. It is like a love letter that it's like taking that aspect and it's it's cool. So I should re-watch it. Rewatch Pacific Rim.
0: Yeah. I've never
2: watched it, so I need to. I need to watch it. Obviously, I think if you view it through the prism of an anime fan, and you, you know, you can see the Deus Ex Machina of it. Like, mm. he's been dragged up into space by a giant winged kaiju, and then he's like, "What's he gonna do?" Oh, he pulls out a sword. You're like course like of course. course he had a sword he didn't know about obviously i love it i love it <laughs> yeah. and it's also it's Guillermo del toro who does the best sort of monster designs his his cinematography is flawless using yeah. like a neon lit tokyo at night to fight giant monsters and has a real sort of eye for scale as well, not just, you know, it's the kind of the thing that you can fuck up in cinematography. If you have the magic camera that just whips amongst giant objects, it doesn't give them any sort of gravitas. He's very good at just fixing the camera at one point and letting you really feel the scale of these giant Mm. machines as they, they stroll through the ocean during a storm and stuff. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, Ron Perlman being the guy who he's a black market Kaiju salesman who has like gold shoes and, Carries a knife and uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's very anime, very mecha, but just for, made for Westerners. So
1: there you go. So a recommendation. So it all
0: you... checks out. So like, I'm definitely gonna watch it. Maybe it was unfairly treated at the time because what was it? 2012,
2: 13, 12? Yeah, around there, right? I mean, there's a bit where they have like he hits a button to punch a kaiju, and the button says rocket elbow. Yeah, that's awesome. Which people are like, well, that's that's dumb. And I'm like, no, no, that, that's awesome. There's a button just for firing like a punch at someone's head. Like that's that's you know <laughs>
0: that's fucking gold. It's <laughs> self-aware. We like that. I suppose a lot of people saw it who probably weren't versed in mecha or kaiju or anime and were just like, this is fucking dumb. It's like, well, if you're coming out fresh, yeah, totally. But, you know, I get it.
2: And Netflix just did an anime version that's streaming on Netflix right now. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. God- Godzilla as well. Mm. Look, it's still look. It's huge.
1: Like Mecca is alive and well. We're just not that good at it. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, is like thirty-seven and
2: well. Transformers movies. So it must, something must be going on with robots. Well, and- true,
0: totally. I mean, that is that is a Mecca show, straight up and down. That's what it is. Mecca is huge. So that is why we had to give a full Mecca episode to all y'all because it is just so massive and specific. To Japan. Obviously, it's everywhere. You know, its influence is seen in all cultures and across all fiction, but none more so than Japan. And it's fucking fascinating. It's really interesting. And I hope you all learned something about Mecha. I sure as hell did doing my research on this. And look, really enjoyed Gurren Lagen. Obviously, on Genesis, Kogiyas, two of my favorites. 86, I really enjoyed too. Yeah. So, hope you all learned something. And that is Mecha. And everyone, thank you. That is the end of season three of Gateway to Anime. We'll be back with Season bam, bam, bam. 4. Don't worry, we've got nothing else to do in lockdown. So we'll be hitting it up. Also going to be bringing a bit of more video content to all y'all next. We're we're changing it up. We're, we're growing. We're training. We're leveling up. It's very exciting. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, everyone, for coming on us with this journey. Season 3 has been a blast. We've had so much fun and we will be back after a little bit of time off to figure out what the fuck Season 4 is going to look like with Season 4. Stronger, better, cooler, more video. Cooler. Cooler. Definitely cooler. That, that just I mean, made it basically,
1: uncool. I'm just predicting Sam's going to do an entire podcast on Legends of the Galactic <laughs> Heroes. I, I might. I might. Like, I didn't so. give it enough attention, so we need to do <laughs> the whole of Season 4 on how it's better than everything ever made.
0: Well, look, it's Gateway fucking awesome. <laughs> Gateway to like the it. Galactic <laughs> Heroes. Gateway <Yeah>. to the Galactic Heroes. Into it. I'm into it. Anyway, thank you all so much. Have a good one. We'll catch you in season four. All the best. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Yep. Bye.